All right, we're back again. Yeah, there's over the last week I've had a few topics that I've been bouncing around that I've been anxious. Actually, just in case anybody cares, the the way I generally come up with ideas, and I think it's probably the similar for you, is as the week goes on between episodes, I try to I keep a Google Doc document and I call it Clark's Scratch Pad, and I use it for writing down little things that, that come up that, that either bother me or observations I make as I go through my week. So that's that's my little hack as far as how I come up with topics. For sure. And um, I think anything that's happening during the week, if there's a major news event or if there's something that's crazy, you know, that made you laugh or, or some crazy event, that, that will definitely take the forefront. So anyway, that's... Uh, so what do you what do you got going on? You you said you had some some things you wanted to share, some ideas, some thoughts. I think the biggest thing that I wanted to share with with people is and I've and I've brought this up before with with my wife and even just just in general, but I'm starting to or I really want to to wage war on the word Well, those are strong words. You what are you waging war on? I'm waging war on the response you get when you ask how someone's doing, and they say, busy, man, super busy, so busy. God, I hate that. Yes, I understand. Continue. And this isn't a new phenomenon. I mean, people have been using this. No, it's been going on forever. People have been using the I'm busy response for for as, as long as I can remember. Certainly when I entered the work life, it became more prevalent. Mm. In fact, at school, of course... There would be exam time, and but I don't remember necessarily having fellow students or friends of mine say when you asked them how they were doing. I don't remember a prevalence of "I'm so busy" being a response. I hate it. I hate that response. You and I have talked but, about this. <laughs> I know that's the title of our podcast, but seriously, you and I have had a lot of conversations about a lot of things, and it's it's why we called it what we do, because we we have talked about this. That whole busy thing, everybody is busy. We're all busy. Everybody has stuff going on. But do you remember it in school? Did people say, like, is this something that started when we worked, when we went to start our careers? Or was were you hearing this back in school days? Or can you remember? No. I, I oh, in, I can't remember it in school. I don't know when it became a prevalent thing. I'm going to say it was probably at some point in maybe my mid to late 20s. So once you're in the workforce and you're out there, working for a living, um, that's when it becomes something that's going on. And especially it happens when you've got kids, you've got a job, you've got you got to run things here and there, you know, and, and it becomes a badge of honor. It becomes this thing like, oh, I'm so busy. And then it, it's almost like a competition, like who's busier, right? And, yes. And, and that, that bothers me. I don't like that at all. I remember I was putting together a, f- a couple of friends of ours were putting together a high school reunion this was about six years ago and at that time I think I had one kid he had one maybe two kids and we were looking for people to volunteer for to help us out with with putting this or- reunion together we were holding it at a at a venue somewhere in Pickering and we put sort of an organizing committee together, and I think six or seven people were on this organizing committee, of which my friend and I and one other person were kind of leading the charge. And we we asked a couple of people who were also on the committee, do you mind maybe taking this 
aspect of the organization or that aspect of the organization and and we got the response yeah i wish i could but i'm just so swamped right now i I can't take this on and i remember him saying okay this person is single has no kids and we're both you know got families we're trying we're already putting a lot of work into this and he had a tough time as i did at the time fathoming how somebody without kids could be that busy. And I know that may sound unfair, but I think definitely the busy thing, I think you really do get busier when you have kids, absolutely. But it just, for, for us, it was, it we didn't really get the fact that, yeah. I mean, I'm getting, we're getting a little bit off, I'm getting oh, I, us a little no, off no, topic here. No, no, you're not here, getting but, off topic at all. I, I Honestly, I think that... Um, Like I said, it becomes a badge of honor. And busyness changes. Like when you're, you think you're busy when you're 25. You you think you're busy when you're 22, 23, 24. And and you've got to get up and you've got to work for a living. And then, you know, you go back to your single bachelor pad. Or a lot of people go back to their basement apartment or just their parents' house or whatever it is. And uh, and, and then they get up and they go to work and then they come home and they do whatever they got to do. They go out with their friends and, you know, you don't realize how much free time you actually have until you have a child and then you have another child. I mean, you've got two, I've got four. Like when you have a family and you have, uh, you know, you're, you're running around, you're shuttling kids to baseball or hockey or football or whatever sport you're busy. That's the definition of busy, right? Um, I just, I, 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 it, it bothers me, especially when single people say that they're busy. Because you know what? You're not. Unless you are saving the world, you're not busy. And I'm sorry, I'm, per- I'm pretty sure this is going to offend somebody out there that's single or, you know, they're going to be, oh, I'm so busy. You don't understand. Okay, come live my life for a while. You, you want to know busy? I'm freaking busy. I am very busy. But here's the thing. Um, every time somebody that says that to me, like, oh, I'm so busy. You know, how you doing? Oh, so busy. Got tons of stuff going on. I'm, I almost feel like saying, oh, that's that's terrible. That's you should tell me what's going on. List it. List yeah. it. Just yes. tell. Enlighten me, right? Because I can yes. almost guarantee you, um, you're not as busy as you think you are. And it comes down to prioritization. I really believe that, right? Um, so the this this is the thing though is that. I, I think there's two different things going on here. If you were, you're not necessarily. I mean, do you use the word "I'm busy" as a as a go to for when people ask how you're doing? Okay, so that's the thing. I think that a lot of people do. I think that's become the uh, "Hey, how are you?" Oh, I'm good. When really, mm, we're not good every day. Like we're not. None of us are. Imagine if you said, you know, if someone said to you. Hey, how you doing? And uh, you, you know, you said, "Oh, you know what? Actually, I'm not that good. I got all this stuff going on." <laughs> like you just start this like long list of crappy things that have happened in your life. Nobody would listen. Everybody would be like, "Don't even ask that guy how he is because he's got all kinds of crap going on." Nobody wants to hear it. But I think people do do that anyway when they when you ask them how are they and they say, "Oh man, I'm so swamped," and they go on about these things you were just describing, I think that is actually more the default response 
maybe they don't get into all the gory details, but the word "I'm so busy" it's it's the symbol for all that those those things that are going on. What I what I wanted to ask you though was because there are people who will listen to this who are single and will say, "How dare you say I'm I not know. busy?" Sorry, single people. I apologize. And I don't think that it's incorrect for for you to. You are busy. I am busy. We we have kids. I know I'm busier. I, I, the the single friends I have, I was just as busy as they were when I was single. And again, I, I'm not trying to make this sound like a competition because I think that's actually what one of the root evils of this is: is the com- competition aspect of trying to be busier than everybody else, or at least be as busy as everybody else. But when I was single before I had a, a wife or a girlfriend even, and no kids, I felt I was extremely busy. And I was extremely busy. Not not debating that. And it's our choice to have kids. So, we decide to make, most of the time, it's our choice to have kids. We, yeah. we decided to become much busier than what we were when we were single, or we're just de- redeploying I don't. I don't. We're agree redeploying with that. our busyness. Yes. If, well, hold on. So if you're if you're capable of let's say a hundred units of t- of time to to get to, to for your day, let's just use a round figure, hundred units. When before you had kids, you occupied let's say ninety nine of those hundred units where you were busy doing stuff. Well, you're still got. Everybody has the same amount of time as they had then as they do now. Time doesn't change. It's a static thing. We can't yes. fight time. Everybody has the same amount of time available. When you have kids, you just allocate that time differently. Right. I guess that was what I was trying to say is that the what you fill your time with changes. So things that you used to be able to do or the things that you filled your time with when you were single or only had one child... Um, you now fill it with whatever, and you drop stuff. You have to. There's there's no way you yes. can fit everything yes. in. So going out every night with your friends, you know, which was the before busy, now becomes the I have to be with my family busy. And right, you know, right. And then if you if you throw in something like what you and I do when we you know you still travel, I used to travel a lot for business. Uh, when you throw that in, uh, when you come back, you can't just like land at the airport and go, okay, uh, I'm going out with, uh, you know, my friends or I'm doing this or like you, your lifestyle changes drastically. You have to be with your family. You have to show up at your son's baseball game in a, in a suit because you didn't have enough time to go home and change. And you're the only nerd there in a suit because everybody else had to go. Like, I mean, you fill your time with I say this because this is exactly what happened the other day. I had to go to a, a like an end of year school party and uh, I have to take the train from downtown and I showed up mm-hmm. and I had to go I had to show up in a suit and uh, I was the only guy there in a suit. Everybody had the the time to go back and change. Does that make me but more But does that bother yeah. you? Does that It did a little bit. I think that's kind of yeah. cool in a way. I think yeah. that's kind of cool. Like you, you know, you ha- you went to you got to the event, you're in a suit. I well, did. Yeah. Now maybe I'm uh, um, maybe I'm maybe I'm starting to support the thing that I hate most about this, which is people saw you in a suit so they must have thought, "Hey, there's a busy guy. Yes. He had to come straight He's so from busy. Yeah. the office or <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I maybe look busier than everybody else, but anyway, whatever. Ah. Uh, 
It's, I try not to say it. We both made the conscious decision, I would say, maybe about five years ago. Does that seem right? Because we kind of, we talked about this and we said this was something that bothered us about five years ago. Maybe more. I don't know. Yeah. And yeah, we, we we've both, definitely had, yeah, we both made the conscious decision. We've had conversations decision. about it. Yeah. 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 So, anyway. I mean, it, just to, not to belabor the thought too much, but I, uh, there were a couple points I really wanted to make, and that is that I believe that when you tell someone you're busy, that it, it suggests perhaps that the person that you're talking to isn't important enough to fit into your I agree. schedule. Yeah, or, or that you're busier than they are. Right, and you do get kind of into, we talked, we talked about this in the conversation we had with Teresa about the hand washing contest where <laughs> yeah that was so good when yeah. you go to wash your hands for the bath to, to after you've used the re- bathroom <laughs> after you've gone to the toilet yes. that you got the person who also went and you're both at the sink together and there's this competition that goes on between who's going to wash their hands the longest because if you stop first they're going to look at you and wonder like maybe, i'm not, you know, yeah. who's clean i'm or... cleaner than you are because i wash my hands longer yeah so you do get into that kind of parrying of the parrying of like a little p- sword fight of like well here's why i'm busier well here's what i'm doing and so it just it just creates this like competition but i mean if you said to someone when they asked you how are you I wonder, like, doesn't saying I'm doing great, I'm I'm really I'm I'm managing life really well. Maybe you're not saying those exact words. Doesn't that actually pre- present a, a certain amount of confidence rather than I'm busy? Might suggest you're harried and you're you're disorganized. And how does the how does I'm really doing well? Like, let's imagine this for a second. If you ask me how I'm doing, yep. and I say I'm doing really well. And you'll say maybe, well, aren't you, isn't it busy at this time of the year or aren't you busy at work? It's like, yes. Just imagine the conversation of the difference between a calm control. Imagine like we talk about David Allen and GTD. His idea of GTD is mind like water. You're like the the karate guy right. who's ready for anything. The yeah. title of one of his books is Ready for Anything, where you're in like a karate-like stance, yep. and you you take a, a blow from this side or an attacker from one side, then you parry over to the other side, you take you deflect a, a, a sure. fist or a kick. Yep. And to me, that's the ultimate sign of success and confidence, is when you can have somebody who is actually taking life like it's just... Like you're you're in total control. I okay. I respect that much more than I'm busy and I'm insane and I I don't know what my head. Sure. F- yeah. I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. I okay. So I've actually thought about this a lot, and one of the things that I like and I use often is I, I use two things often. If I am busy, genuinely busy. Sorry, let me say what I I usually say. What I usually say is, if someone asks me how I am, I will tell people. So far, so good. Um, hmm. You know, because in reality, I am. I'm so far, so good. Ask me in an hour. Maybe it'll be completely different. I have no idea. My day my day might blow up. But if you're asking me right now, so far, so good. And I, and I kind of smile. And, and most of the people that I work with or, you know, interact with on a daily basis, they will like, oh, good job, awesome. You know, and then they carry on. Um, I think it carries with it a positive uh it's like a it's like a positive thing to say and it 
it also leaves open room for change, right? But if if I am having a particularly hectic day, I will say to people, uh, you know, hey, uh, if people will say, hey, uh, how you doing? I'll say, I'm trying to keep all the plates spinning. So... I, I and yep. I mean that that just conjures up that image of like that guy at the circus that's got all those sticks and there's a plate on each of the sticks and he's spinning them all and then like you know the ones over yep. here on the left are like almost ready to stop spinning so you got to run over there and like spin those plates and then go over here it just that to me cuz some honestly some of our days are like that right and but are you just saying the same thing, though, but just making a cute analogy for it? Like, are you still just saying the thing that bothers us? I'm busy, except now you're creating an analogy of a cute picture of somebody spinning plates at the circus? Uh, yeah, probably. But I don't use it all the time. So I think it makes it better. And I don't know. I think people do overuse the busy analogy. So what's next? Childhood fears. Yeah, it came to me the other day when I was listening to, or I had read an email from the kids' school. Many people probably know that the Olympics will be held in Tokyo in 2020. And as part of the kids' program at school, they had some visitors. We we received an email just saying that the kids would be seeing some members of the Paralympic athletes that would be participating in the Tokyo Olympics. And Paralympics is most know, I think, is uh, it's there's the Olympics and then there's the Paralympics, which run simultaneously. Like right after, yeah. Shortly after, but it's part of the overall event of the Olympics or the... Yes, it's held in the same, like, month of the Olympics. I think there's two and a half weeks of the, the non-para-Olympics, I guess, able-bodied Olympics, and then, the, and then the Paralympics are, like, immediately after. Right. Yeah. The note had come out that the kids were going to get an opportunity to meet some of the Paralympic athletes that were going to come visit the school. And I thought, oh, that's really cool. But then there was this little part of me that imagined they were going to be seeing people with not always visual, not always disabilities that are that are obvious to the to seeing them. Many people have disabilities that aren't visually apparent, but it brought me back to childhood. And I imagine thinking of, let's say, I'm sure there will be, there would be athletes participating in the games who would have, say, uh, an arm that had been amputated, or they were born without a, a limb, or something different than, than my kids, who f- fortunately are, are able-bodied and have, um, are, are, you know, everything's there that, that may not be if you were one of the Paralympic athletes. And I imagined, well, wonder, this is great because it's a good learning opportunity for the kids because they will see people who have disabilities, yet they're performing in a high competition environment, mm-hmm. elite yep. level environment. Gosh. It, yeah, and, uber elite. Like they could kill us, basically. And it made me think of when I was a kid that in particular, people with artificial limbs or missing limbs scared me a lot. And made me feel very uncomfortable. That fascinated me. Like, where did that come from? Did you have a bad experience? Well, there was a couple of experiences I had that could could be linked. I mean, in general, when you're a child and you see somebody that's different than you, I think most will be processing that. Most kids will have to process, 
oh, that person doesn't have a, a, an, an arm or a leg. Instead, they have like a stump or they may have a prosthetic. And so it's almost, it's just in, as a child, you pro, for me anyway, I processed that. And it, to me, it scared me. I was scared of it. And I remember we had some people that lived behind us who had, there, it was the grandparents that lived behind us of a family that came to visit and it, or, or I would, there would be a kid there that was like seven or six or whatever he was, and he would come and over and visit me. And he had, uh, I forget what it was, but he definitely had something different about him that was going on, like his um, development was, was slower. And, and we were friends, and it was nice. But I remember I was at his house or down in behind his backyard, and I remember he had a screen door that was you could see into the house from from the backyard and <laughs> i know where this is going go and inside the house so his fa- father or sorry his grandfather i believe i had already ascertained at at this point that he all, he had a, a a missing leg or he, had to, he only had one leg and i remember peering through this window or the screen door and it was one of these sort of back split houses where it was five stairs and it led you to the second floor yeah and what i could see up the stairs and straight ahead was i guess it was the bedroom of the the grandfather and i saw like a a, a prosthetic leg hanging on the wall <laughs> and how old were you i would have been under 10 so oh, probably man. eight or maybe seven or eight and like very little exposure to that up until that point. So here's this leg, this prosthetic leg hanging on the wall. Uh, yeah. Gran- grandfather that never comes outside. You know, he's whatever sitting there watching TV and you can't see everything. Yeah, I can see how that would be a bit of a disturbing uh thing for somebody under the age of 10 who'd never had any experience with that. I actually had early exposure to that. Um my father's uncle, who was a farmer, um, so I guess he would have been my great uncle, he had yep. missing fingers from uh, a farming accident. So, I mean, from a very early age, maybe three, four, I don't know how old I was, um, you know, I, I, I saw that and it was explained to me that he had lost it in, uh, in, in a farming accident. I think he was doing something on the combine and his finger got chopped off, uh, or fingers got chopped off. And, um, mm. and, and that, to me, it wasn't really, uh, all that weird. It was a bit strange, but it, I mean, he could function and he was fantastic, uh, uncle. So nothing wrong there, but, um, you know, I don't think I ever saw anybody with a with a prosthetic limb until I was maybe in my early teens. I'm just trying to think. Like, I don't really think I knew anybody or, or came across anybody. Um, and when I did, I more I think I found it more fascinating than than scary to me. It was sort of like a wow, that's incredible. Hmm. And I got to tell you, I saw this video the other day of this uh, this guy that was running on a treadmill. And uh, he had those two sort of like blades that, you know, will fit on your legs. And, and you can run, right? Um, and this guy was amazing. He was running 25 or 26 miles per hour, um, which is insanely fast if you think about it. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and 
and he was he was running on these blades and i mean it's it's fantastic um i look at that and i think to myself imagine rewinding the clock not even a hundred years 50 30 years that technology did not exist 30 years or maybe it did 30 but definitely not 50 years ago anybody that is in need of a prosthetic limb or is in any way not 100% abled with limbs they probably are they're probably living at the best time that they could probably live right now with the way technology I think there's a lot of things yeah I think there's a lot of things like that where to be in a situation today versus 25 years, 30 years ago, is so much easier. I mean, if you're if you're um, gay, um, imagine how much oh, yeah. diff- more difficult it was oh, yeah, 5, 10, 20, 50, 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And thankfully now, diversity of is is so much more prevalent, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's whether it's gender diversity or or something uh, sexual orientation the the ability like I, i've had i've had friends who 15 years ago were not able to be out in at the workplace mm, right. and would have to make make up s- stories about yeah. what they were who this partner was that or this companion was that they were with at an event yeah and sometimes it was yep. sometimes they would have to just flat out lie and say well this is my cousin or my my friend when they couldn't yep. be open and honest and just say, well, this is my partner, my yeah. my life partner, or, or whatever. So, yep. so yeah. But I, here's quite, just on the another comment on the. Did your parents educate, or how good were they at educating you around people with differences? Do you remember having conversations with them? Like, we're going to see Uncle Bill. He's missing fingers. It's it's not like you. Yes. He won't look like you. And yeah. I don't want you to stare at the at him in a weird way. Like did you get any sort of Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, sure, a little bit. I mean, you know, you have to you have to uh children are I mean they're innocent in their curiosity, but they also have no like, you know, couth, right? So, um if there's something strange or different that they're not used to and i don't mean it in a way that like i don't say strange or different in a bad way i mean it in, in a way that they're just not used to so you know um yeah my parents would say look uh you know we're going to visit so and so and uh there's this that might stand out please don't make a big deal of it don't stare don't you know ask too many strange questions I, and I think that's okay because you don't want to make the other person feel uncomfortable. But I've also heard from the other side that uh, people will say, you know what? Just ask me the question. Don't be stupid about it. Don't hide yes. it. Don't don't be weird. Just say, hey. I've heard that too. How did you lose your finger? How did you lose your leg? How did you, you know, why do you only have one arm? Just ask the question and don't be an idiot. Um, yeah. You know, because it is a story and... In in all probability, it's probably a pretty fascinating story. Maybe it's bad, maybe it's unfortunate, but yeah, it's probably a pretty uh, interesting story. And aren't we just perpetuating some of the fears? Yes, and 100%. Around, like we're perpetuating these fears around these disabilities that by not making it a free and open space to talk about it, mm-hmm. that conversations don't get had that, that could get had 
that would have made things much better overall for everybody. Do you think this conversation sounds stupid, by the way? Do you think somebody that had like a missing limb would look to this conversation and go, what are these idiots talking about? My gut reaction or instinct is no. I think my gut, and I'm, I can't speak for other people because I'm not in that situation, but my gut tells me they would actually find this refreshing to hear that. Mm. And it, it depends on the person. Yeah. And I shouldn't put words into people's mouths or thoughts into people's heads, but I believe that most people would think, no, this is refreshing to hear this talked about in this way because they go through on a daily basis, depending on what what the issue is, it could be a facial disfigurement, it could be a a missing limb, that they they notice their, maybe they see parents with their children kind of like pulling their kids away because they don't want the kids to see or to ask questions because it, it could be uncomfortable. I have heard that people in those situations actually do invite the questions and want to try to break down some of the the myths about these things instead of it being this scary guy over in the corner with a missing leg it's easier or better for the parents to say well we don't know what happened there and it is something that can happen and it's part of life mm-hmm. they may have been born that way yep. it could have been an accident but my biggest thing is i don't ever want my kids to feel they can't ask questions well, there's also a way to ask questions, right? I mean, if anybody, most people have a radar that can tell whether someone is sincere or being stupid, right? But as uh, kids, kids don't always have the right way to ask questions, no, depending they don't. on what your definition of that is. So, I think, for me, the thing is you have to allow the kids to not, you know, have to ask the question the right way. If they just simply want to ask a question, part mm-hmm. of the education is helping them understand the right way to ask a question. So if they say something that sounds really terrible, if they had said it to that individual, then you can, that's a, that's a coaching and learning experience for the kids as well. Kids have an awesome way of processing things too. Um, that's how they, they process. They ask questions. And so, you know, what they might say, well, how come you're missing an eye? Well, I lost it in an unfortunate accident when something happened and, you know, in school and Billy poked me in the eye with his pencil and whatever. Like, and, um, and then the kid might just be like, oh, okay. Hey, you want to, you know, and then they just move on, right? So they, they can process very quickly, which makes me wonder why your parents didn't encourage some kind of, or, or somebody didn't encourage uh, you to sort of talk about, you know, that grandpa's missing leg or something like that. But that's the thing. Maybe in all fairness to my parents, they didn't have the opportunity because I just didn't want to ask about it. And maybe that was because I felt a certain way that I couldn't. I don't know. Mm. That maybe yeah. that I was raised that didn't give me the feeling I could ask a question like that. But I would almost be willing to bet that if my parents heard this story they would say, well, why didn't you come and ask us about it? We would have been completely open to discussing it. I think some of it is, as kids process things in our own way, and to it, that particular situation, I didn't feel comfortable asking questions. Maybe I didn't want to relive the experience by asking the question. Maybe I didn't want to know the answer to the questions. And I was a kid who internalized a lot and was sensitive and mm, me too. always had thoughts swirling around that perhaps I was more concerned with the answers I was going to get that like one, you know, we'll move on in a sec, but I'll tell you this, 
Terry Fox, the the runner, famous Canadian runner, at least well-known to Canadians and probably many people. I think almost worldwide now, yeah. In our generation, this was in the early 80s, Terry Fox was someone that put running or disability in the forefront. Not only did he have cancer, but he also had a missing leg due to his cancer. And the fact that he was doing a cross-Canada run in order to support awareness around cancer and to raise money, it also brought that into the forefront as well. Like a person doing that, I think, at my age, there was a real impact. And I remember being so scared, though, at the time that what if what if I had my like I got cancer and I had to get my leg taken off or, you know, that was something I was always very scared of. Interesting. Was that what if that happened to me? And, and so it was something that really I was very scared about. See, I wasn't scared about that, but I can tell you this. I remember getting on board. Remember they did this thing where he would run through certain towns and you know it would be on the news and they'd be like, oh, Terry Fox is going to run through Coburg at like, uh, you know, like 1 p.m. He should be there about 1 p.m. on Saturday. And so people would gather and, you know, like they'd be cheering him on and stuff like that. And I remember, like, listening to that or hearing it, seeing it on the news every night. And then I remember being absolutely gutted, Clark, when he had to end his run in Thunder Bay. And I I remember, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, like, shortly thereafter, I can't remember how much time it was between when he had stopped running and when he actually died. But I remember feeling genuinely sad. And, I mean, I would have been... I mean, I was still a kid. I, I think I was under the age of what I've been under eleven. I don't. I don't even remember. I think this was nineteen eighty two or eighty three, yeah, maybe so, eighty four. So I was under the age. I was. Uh, I well, if it was eighty two, I would have been eleven. So, um, I mean, the fact that he had actually it was nineteen eighty. I just checked. It was nineteen eighty. Okay, I was nine years old. Nineteen eighty, with one leg amputated due to cancer, he embarked on an east to west coast Canada run to raise money. And it says here his, yeah, he died in June of nineteen eighty one. So it would have been sometime around nineteen eighty eighty one that, that yeah. you would have. I was that ten. The run ended. I was ten years old. So I mean, I was gutted, and um, I, I think there were so many things about Terry Fox that were communicated. Uh, both outwardly and, you know, almost under the surface. And it was the whole idea that here's a guy with um, like a missing leg and he was running a marathon each day. Uh, I don't know about you, but I couldn't run a marathon now with both my legs. And never, like, not just once, but he did this every single day for however many days. And then here's a guy that was really you know, a little bit shy, but very endearing, you know, had this incredibly, like a a drive that I think most people would look at and say, gosh, I wish I had that kind of a drive in me. He was so driven. He was so motivated. And he has risen like millions and millions and millions of dollars, you know, for cancer research. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just an, an incredible person. So there you go. Great story about somebody who um, had missing limbs. So you don't have to be scared, Clark, about people who have missing uh, missing limbs. Thank you. You're welcome. Swimming pool bans men 
from using hair dryers on their nether regions. <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> Haven't you ever seen anybody in the bath in like the change room at a health club? No. Have you ever seen men do that? They take no. the hair dryer and they start drying themselves off down around the groin area and their nope. chest and no nope. haven't seen that never never seen well, I've that seen it yeah um no i've never seen that i have uh i've watched many a guy towel off <laughs> not with the you know like yeah i've 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 been in a gym i've watched guys towel off i have never seen somebody like take the hair dryer and spin it so that they can dry their uh their bits, their jewels. The, this pool, this pool is in Iceland. Uh, they said that um, as a result of a, new, a bizarre new habit <laughs> that people were using men and were using communal hair dryers in these change rooms on their nether regions. And so they said the problem became so bad that they were forced to create a poster. Uh, the poster shows an elderly man hair-drying his testicles with a large <laughs> red X covering the but image. How is that a bad which thing, I will, though? I, don't I will even... certainly share with uh, the... Let's see if that comes through. Oh, man, that's awesome. Oh, so it's like a plugged-in hair dryer. It's not one of those ones that are on the wall. Because I was in my head, I was thinking about that. You know that white one with the silver thing that spins... And, you know, you, you can dry your hands or you can dry your... Because if you're in a pool area, they have the ones that are a bit higher than sort of the one that would be in the bathroom. And the one that's a bit higher, you could sort of, you know, you have to crouch down a little bit, but you would, like, put your head under it and you could, like, tossle your hair and dry it, right? What you're showing a picture of is a guy with, like, a, a hair dryer that you would plug in, you know... So the, this is in... I guess the Icelandic language, that the title of the poster is, this is not a ball sack dryer. <laughs> That's awesome. Don't dry your ball sack or your butt with c the communal hair dryer in the swimming pool or the gym. That's apparently what the translation is. And what's, what language is it written in? Uh, Icelandic, I guess, is the if that's okay. the name of how what you call Iceland language is Icelandic. I, I think. think it is. I think it might. And be. I know I have thought, by the way, that we have to put together an episode where we have all of my mispronunciations, misinformed statements. I want to grab all those sound bites. Oh yeah, I just said risen when I was talking about Terry Fox, and I almost thought like that's going to sound like he rose from the dead. But I think I should have said <laughs> raised money instead of risen money. But yeah, right. you're, you're right, absolutely. Yeah, bloopers. Okay, hold on, wait, wait, wait. So, okay, so have you ever done that at home? Have you ever taken your wife's hair dryer and 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 like dried your your ball sack or your butt? Yes. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, actually, there's um, the article talks about the, the the reasons why people gave for doing it, and it said here, and I don't think I necessarily had this in mind when I was doing it, but they they wrote uh, a couple people wrote in to. Um, wrote in about this to the to the newspaper it said i don't go to the gym but at home i blow dry my balls with my fan i know i do it because if i put the goods away wet it can sometimes lead to a sour smell 
How much are you sweating in one day that your balls smell sour? No, but you're packing it away wet from okay, the shower. Okay, but why are you... Yeah, but how about you just dry them off with a towel? Like, I'm sorry. I When I dry I mine... I don't think you're fully drying... It's like drying your hair on your head with a towel. Is it getting uh, fully dry? No. No, but I mean, okay, how, unless you're in a super rush, you know, there's there's usually some lag time between when you dry off and you walk over to the, you know, your your dresser and you kind of search for your underwear and socks. And by the time you put clothes on, I think everything's pretty close to being dry. I don't know. I think the... That's me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, obviously a problem in this, this swimming pool. It's uh, Iceland. This was Iceland, but I suspect it would love to hear feedback on this. Have you seen people in dressing rooms do this, and does it bother you? I It would bother me. I, I think I would have a problem with it. I, if I was watching someone do that, I'd be like, dude, stop. Go do that at home. I think it would depend also how much they were doing it. Like if it was propped, like in this picture, they show this guy, he's propped one leg up on the counter, and he's literally like blowing the the dryer on his on his groin i yeah. think if it was that overt while staring at you at the same time exactly which is what the poster is, is yeah. showing which is probably the the idea here is the the eye contact with you and this guy yeah, is supposed should be to no eye can't yeah no eye contact whatsoever while doing that <laughs> you should be staring at the wall and uh and you should yeah no eye contact at all and it should be quick very quick just a little like a and then like a and then you're done. Get out, you know, and do not be looking at me while you're doing that. 